and welcome to another episode of our Topics in Drug Testing podcast series. My name is Frank Samaro. I'm the Director of Marketing for the Drug Monitoring Franchise here at Quest Diagnostics. I'm really excited about today's episode titled Implementing a Drug Monitoring Protocol in Your Practice. I think you're really going to enjoy the discussion. Today, the podcast features Quest Diagnostics' very own Dr. Jeff Gooden. Dr. Gooden is the senior medical advisor here at Quest for the drug monitoring and toxicology franchise. Jeff will be joined by Dr. Jack Kane. Dr. Kane is our director and medical science liaison. And finally, we have a third guest today, Jason Samala. Jason is our senior product manager for the toxicology and drug monitoring franchise. Jack, Jason, and Jeff, it's great to have you with us. I'm pleased to turn it over now to our experts. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. During today's podcast, we will focus on the steps that you need to take to implement an effective drug monitoring protocol in your practice. We will discuss and share information regarding key challenges facing clinicians today, key steps to take for implementing a responsible drug monitoring protocol, and how Quest Diagnostics can help. This is Dr. Jeff Gooden, Chief Medical Advisor and a board-certified pain and addiction specialist and consultant to Quest Diagnostics. I'm accompanied today by Dr. Jack Kane and Jason Sumula, both from Quest Diagnostics. Can you guys introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Jason Sumula. I'm the Senior Product Manager for Quest Diagnostics Drug Monitoring and Toxicology Franchise. Hey, Dr. Gooden. Yeah, this is Dr. Jack Kane, Medical Science Liaison, specifically for toxicology at Quest Diagnostics. Thanks for having me. So, you know, I thought we might start off by just recapping some of the survey and data that we've collected at Quest and published over the years about how challenging it is to be a clinician on the front lines in pain management and substance use disorder treatment today. Jack, if you remember, we did this Harris Poll survey of 500 primary care clinicians. And the bottom line is that they were really struggling to treat chronic pain. The overwhelming majority agree that because of the opioid crisis, it's considerably harder now to treat patients who suffer with chronic pain. More than 80% said that they don't want to take on patients who are currently prescribed controlled substances like opioids. And more than half, 60% said they fear that we'd be trading the opioid crisis for another prescription drug crisis. And this is just amazing. Almost three quarters worried that their own chronic pain patients would turn to illicit drugs if they didn't have access to prescription opioids. So what a challenging place for docs to be on the landscape. Mm-hmm. Hey Jack, what were some of the other findings that we, that we saw? It's funny when I think about putting myself into your shoes, Dr. Gooden, and you know, I'm, I'm trained as a pharmacist, but you have to manage these complex patients that need opioids, a substance that's inherently addicting, but does work for pain. Um, and then you have to deal with the, an even more complex patient that has underlying depression, increased anxiety. However, those are triggered through times of crisis, financial, pandemic, or it just it's challenging to think about the appropriate way to treat and the appropriate way to monitor. And so we look at our survey data here and we see that physicians may be overconfident in their ability to recognize prescription drug misuse. In fact, 72% of physicians trust their patients to take controlled medications as prescribed. And we've discussed before, looking at our thousands of uh, urine drug testing data, that patient self-reporting actually isn't quite reliable as one would hope. And so we want to make sure that an appropriate drug monitoring protocol is put in place for providers to identify certain behaviors. 
Yeah, Jack, let's remind our audience, almost half of all the samples that come in either don't have the drug in there that they're supposed to or have a drug in there that doesn't belong there, right? So it just stresses the importance of drug testing in, in clinical practice. Yeah, and only 55% said that they actually discussed potential misuse with most of their patients who were prescribed controlled substances in the past month. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. Thinking about, you know, we're in the heart of an opioid crisis and that they're not discussing with patients the potential misuse or dangers of these particular drugs. You know, when we asked doctors, what do they need? Most of them said they wish they had more training on how to handle these patients. Where do they refer them? What do they do if they, if they show signs of addiction? How do they work with drug monitoring? I mean, they said it's critical to help identify misusing patients, but yet you and I are out there in, in the field, Jack, we know that many docs really don't know a whole lot about drug monitoring. So they really do seek more education around drug monitoring. Jack, how has the pandemic affected this whole opioid abuse issue? Uh, of course, it's, again, I mentioned it earlier, times of crisis can perpetuate the idea of self-medicating, patients' desires to self-medicate. And so what happened? We saw substance, certain substances spike in our data that are very potent, such as fentanyl during, you know, when the stay-at-home orders were initiated for COVID. But, you know, this isn't just allocated to pandemic times. This is allocated to any times of crisis. And I know that we've looked at data and studies that show that even during like Hurricane Katrina, drug misuse, alcohol misuse increased. And so certain guidelines came out there to address increased access for certain substances such as buprenorphine during um, this pandemic to increase access, right? And so Dr. Gooden, you saw some of these recommendations right here that essentially can be a little alarming because we're concerned about patients' being, uh, ability to be appropriately monitored. Yes, yeah, so Jack, I'll tell you, the recommendations that you're alluding to were, you know, they came out of agencies like CMS who said that, hey, you can delay non-essential medical services. And even organizations like American Society of Addiction Medicine took that to mean drug testing. And we saw what happened at the start of the pandemic. Overdoses skyrocketed. Fentanyl misuse skyrocketed. We published some of that data ourselves. So I think it's important for clinicians to realize that, look, we're through the first wave of this. Many patients have been vaccinated. Many clinicians have been vaccinated. We need to get back to clinical medicine. We have to recognize that during the pandemic, patients with chronic pain, substance use disorders, mental health conditions. I mean, they're at increased risk for drug and alcohol misuse as a baseline, but you said it yourself, stress compounds that risk. And we've seen more admissions for alcohol and drug use. So it's really, really challenging. I think what clinicians need to remember is that there are risk factors for misusing drugs and alcohol. You need to ask patients about their personal history of, of drug abuse, their family history of drug abuse, any coexistent mental health conditions, so that you can get a kind of a baseline sense of what your patients are going through. You know, Jack, talking about baseline, give us some thoughts on how important it is now to reestablish a baseline with your patients. Uh, I can't tell you how many consults I do in a week where providers are already surprised by the result a drug test has yielded in their patient, and it didn't correlate with the patient's actual self-report. Cocaine has appeared, or unfortunately, uh, we're seeing a lot of fentanyl appear, and that's patients getting back to care. And so how are providers using this data now to manage their patients? What are the next steps that a provider is going to take after seeing a drug test result come back as, quote, inconsistent? That is one of the best parts at Quest is the being able to provide a sea of experts that can help communicate 
an appropriate protocol for providers. What, of course, we always defer to the provider as they know their patient population better than us, but we can discuss the technologies that are leveraged in drug testing and make sure that all their questions are being answered as they're developing their own protocol. Yeah, so Jack, we want to remind our audience, although I got to tell you, this is usually like preaching to the choir. The ones that listen to these podcasts already are pretty adept in clinical practice, but go back and establish that baseline. Look up your opioid treatment agreements with your patients. Make sure that you're checking the prescription drug monitoring program in your state and surrounding states on a regular basis. Talk to your patients about the risks of opioids. You know, many state guidelines now say that that's mandatory. You need to give patients options, warn them about the risks of opioid therapies, and initiate drug testing. So let's talk a little bit more about the importance of drug testing and and how we implement a responsible drug testing protocol. Jack, give us some thoughts there. Yeah, so some keys to implementing a drug monitoring protocol when prescribing controlled medications One, establish which individuals to monitor, which types of patients, um, and how have you stratified those patients? Are they high risk, low risk? Are they new patients? Or are they patients that you've seen for years? Two, evaluate patient risk factors using validated tools. Dr. Gooden, you use various tools in pain management practice. You want to mention a couple of them? Of course. You know, the one I've used most commonly for decades already is called the opioid risk tool, the ORT by Professor Lynn Webster out of Salt Lake City. It's a five-question validated screening tool, which is easy to use, and I basically incorporated it into my history taking at this point. And this really reiterates the point that, that, you know, I talked a few times about getting back to basics. This is really the key. Go over your treatment agreements, use your tools, discuss the risks and benefits of therapies, and then certainly implement drug testing as a baseline and then periodically throughout treatment. So Jack, Give us an idea, you know, in, in just a moment, Jason and I are going to talk about what the Quest offering looks like, but just in general, how do we determine which drugs to test and then how often like drug testing frequency? Yeah, drugs should be selected based on patient history, treatment plan, health condition, and community usage. You know, look at public data that's available. See what's trending in your community. Also case reports from patients and actual just results too. Drug test results show what's trending within the community. And Quest, we can actually provide that level of data from a national basis and a regional basis. And so you use that to drive your decisions on what is an appropriate test for your patients. I think our audience will hear in just a moment that not only do we at Quest have some panels or profiles already built that clinicians could choose from, they could build their own profiles based on the patient's medical necessity or the need for testing. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about drug testing frequency. Uh, Jack, how do we know how often to drug test someone? Of course, we always defer to providers to, you know, determine frequency of testing, but a validated risk assessment and stratification is a strategy that a lot of providers use. Clinicians document medical necessity, obviously taking into contact the patient history, the clinical presentation, and or community usage. Anything to expand that clinical picture and use it in defining what is an appropriate frequency for each patient or for um, all the patients that are being supported in that respective site. You know, Jack, a few years ago, CMS came out with one of their local coverage determinations, and I thought it was really reasonable and very well put together about how they talked about drug testing frequency based on whether patients were chronic pain patients for COT or chronic opioid therapy, or whether they were in treatment for substance use disorder. And they gave, you know, reasonable recommendations. Look, if you're low risk, maybe you could be tested once or twice a year. 
But if you're high risk, you might need to be tested a couple times a month. So it all was based on risk. And I think some of the other carriers should consider this. You know, we see payers across the country that limit drug testing to twice a year or four times a year or something that's not reasonable for somebody with a higher level of risk. Hey, look, Aunt Mary, who has leftover pills every couple of months, sure, she might only need to be tested once a year, but your patients at higher risk certainly need a different testing frequency. All right, great. I'd like to bring in Jason Sumula to talk a little bit about the specific offerings at Quest Diagnostics. So Jason, we've talked a little bit about what drugs that a doctor can test for or a practice can test for and a little bit about drug testing frequency, but let's talk now on how can a national laboratory like Quest Diagnostics help the clinicians on the front lines? Yeah, so we have a fully trained commercial team that's out there on the streets to help facilitate uh, providers and getting them the information they need through the Quest offering. They can review the testing needs and the protocol with the provider. We can also arrange to make sure that all the appropriate supplies are there. We can look at the setup and the workflow of the office to make sure that things are incorporated the right way to make sure the office is operating and ordering in the most efficient way, either through paper requisitions or electronic EMRs. We'll look over our reports and make sure that they're getting the information in a, in a manner that's appropriate for them to evaluate and make the clinical decisions on. And then we facilitate other things like our RX talk hotline. So they're connected with our clinical experts. Uh, we can set them up with consults, like with individuals like yourself for test result interpretation that they may have some questions on. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but I know that I get called on by these boutique laboratories that either strictly do drug testing or strictly do hormone testing. Give me an idea of Quest's kind of scope. We have the expertise in the different focus areas like toxicology, but we also have expertise in other areas for testing as well that clinicians may run into in various situations. So we're a great partner in that aspect where you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time you need to get a laboratory result. You really just have to work with your account representative to make sure that you have the right order code, and then your workflow remains the same. So it's a really great partnership to have. You know, I find that many patients are already using Quest Diagnostics. We are insured from a standpoint of working with health plans. There's a 85% of the patients in on the country are, are in network or in covered. Uh, when you're dealing with Quest Diagnostics, we have patient service centers that are, are a broad network across the country, as well as uh, laboratories that expand across the country for access, uh, and our logistics system is second to none as far as getting, picking up specimens at location so that you're not having to ship things so we can be at the doorstep and, and facilitate that without having to package things up and FedEx them out. And you mentioned before this thing called patient service centers. I mean, that's really, you know, if I can't see a patient in the office to, to request a sample, Quest has more than 2,000 of these patient service centers you know, geographically located around the country to, to enable facilitating getting, and not just drug testing, but all, all types of laboratory uh, testing services. All right, before we let you go, tell us a little bit about kind of the menu or the offering from a Quest drug monitoring standpoint. Are there panels or profiles that customers can choose from? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a, an extensive menu that we have, and it ranges from urine testing to oral fluid. Um, so there's and there's different panels for different situations that clients can use one of our standard panels that's available for treating patients with anxiety, depression, ADHD. Uh, and then there's also the ability to create 
uh, a custom profile if necessary, or create favorite order sets within your EMR and, and mix and match the test offerings that we have to come up with combinations that are appropriate for the patient population that the physician is, is treating. Yeah, and look, I'll remind our audience that testing by medical necessity is really a tenant that we live by at Quest Diagnostics. We don't want everybody getting the same test. You really should individualize these. But let's face it, if you have a young, healthy patient that you're simply monitoring for compliance or for illicit drug use, oftentimes those profiles are going to look the same. And then we have a feature called MedMatch where they can order a test code and then input the medications that the patient's on and our report will come back and it will cross-reference the results that we have with the medication the patient's on and flag anything that's inconsistent uh, for them so it's really easy to read when they get the report back. Well, Jason, that was great. I'd like to thank Dr. Jack Kane and Jason Sumler for joining me today. This is Dr. Jeff Gooden. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And please remember, if you have any questions on test ordering or result interpretation, please be sure to contact the experts at Quest Diagnostics. There's an RX Tox line. That number is 1-877-40-RX-TOX or 877-407-9869. Here you can consult with our medical and toxicology experts who are available to help you. And when our frontline can't help, they'll call right into the lab or they'll contact Dr. Kane or myself to help with your clinically challenging questions. Thank you, Dr. Gooden, for having me today. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us today, and we look forward to helping you out with all your needs out in the field. I know Dr. Gooden mentioned a few times, but we do have the Quest Diagnostics RX Tox line, 1-877-40-RX-TOX. Here you can talk to our medical and toxicology experts. They're available to help you with information on test ordering or results interpretation. We have talked a lot about our new at-home offering, This is just one of a whole series of podcasts. Please go to questdrugtesting.com to see all of them. I think we're up to 12 now, so be sure to visit questdrugtesting.com or you can subscribe through your favorite podcast venue. At Quest Diagnostics, we're committed to providing you the results and insight to support your clinical Okay, well, that does it for today's discussion on implementing a drug monitoring protocol. I'd like to thank our experts, Dr. Gooden, Dr. Kane, and Jason Samala for being with us today and sharing their great information and expertise. To learn more about today's topic and about Quest Diagnostics Drug Monitoring offering, please visit questdrugmonitoring.com. Here you will find information on our drug monitoring test directory and our offerings, as well as educational resources and insights from our team of toxicology experts. To listen to this and all our other podcasts on drug testing, be sure to visit questdrugtesting.com or subscribe through your favorite podcast venue. At Quest Diagnostics, we are committed to providing you results and insight to support your clinical decisions.